and we have the privilege of welcoming our dear brother, Greg Peterson. Greg Peterson is a friend, a brother in Christ, a partner in the gospel, and he's also in the process right now of training to become a minister and a preacher. And so we at Imago, we're all about that, about equipping and empowering leaders to get to their next level of leadership. And uh, we want, always love to give Greg opportunities throughout the year to be able to bring the word here to us. And um, as I pass it on to Greg today, I just want us to be able to welcome him in the same spirit that we've been learning about in the book of Philippians throughout the fall. As the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all make my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And um, that's really one thing that we're passionate about here at Imago for gospel partnerships. So would you join me this morning in just welcoming our dear brother and friend and partner in the gospel, Greg Peterson. Let's go ahead and uh, give him some love. Awesome. Thanks, Carlos and everyone. I think this thing can uh, come up. Maybe not. Well, it's good there. All right. That's fine. That's fine. I can, I can work with this. Uh, well, I bring greetings from Sunrise Community Church. That's where I get to uh, serve uh, most of the time, and I get to be part of their teaching team. And I know you guys have been hearing a lot from us. You heard from Pastor Russ, uh, my mentor and friend, uh, last week. And I get to uh, thank you on behalf of Sunrise for allowing us to borrow Pastor Carlos as he br uh, brought God's word to us last week. It was just a great time of hearing uh, from him. And, uh, man, I just got to tell you, he brought it. So just on, you know from the audience side, I can tell you that much. So uh, if you wanted to catch it again, uh, check out Sunrise's YouTube. He's, he's on there. It was a great time. So uh, we're going to be in Romans 5 is where we're going to be today. Romans 5, we're going to be verses 12 through 21. So um, it'll be on the screen, but also I invite you to turn there. And uh, if you're not someone who usually follows along as far as scripture goes, I'm going to invite you to really try to do that this time because we're going to be reading Paul. And Paul is one of those dense writers that when he writes, sometimes it can be overwhelming. And so, uh, especially this uh, text, I think the first time I read it, I just kind of glazed over mid-sentence. And <laughs> it was just like, I have no idea what's happening right now. Um, and so, uh, Paul is someone who just writes with such depth and conviction that it takes some time, a, a, a couple times to chew it over, you know, and to really get the, the meat out of it. And so, uh, I invite you just to kind of follow along to process with me, and uh, we're going to read through it once, and then we're going to go back and kind of process each little section of that sermon, so or of the, the text today. So uh, this is what the word of uh, the Lord says. It says, uh, therefore, just as sin entered the, wor the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin... Uh, Sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking the command as Adam, uh, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? 
nor can the gift of God be compared to the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, uh, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass the one man's, uh, the, of the one man death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification in the life of people. For just as though the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through obedience of the one man, many were made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increases, grace increases all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So there's a lot there, right? There's a lot that Paul is saying. Uh, so we're going to go again. We're going to go line, not by line by line, but like section by section and kind of understand and process what he's trying to help us to understand. So let's just go right to the beginning. Verse 12, it says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So what Paul is bringing up here is Genesis 3. He's bringing up this idea of what happens in the very beginning of the Bible, uh, which uh, uh, we can remember that in the beginning, God had created everything. And when he created it, it was perfect. It was, it was, it was excellent. There was nothing wrong with it. It was perfection. And you see Adam and Eve, and they're walking around, and the Bible says that they were naked. And we can understand that, yes, physically, but also, more importantly, emotionally and spiritually. They were just able to be themselves unashamed, connected to God in this amazing way that they, they, they can just be themselves. They can talk to him. It says that, you know, at one point God comes and he's just walking around at the cool of the day. I mean, imagine how cool that was to just be like, oh, it, yeah, seven o'clock, Jesus, there he is. Cool. Let's talk. You know, let's hang out. They were just that connected. They didn't need to run to God and apologize. They didn't need to, to ask for forgiveness because at that moment, at that time, there was no sin. But it didn't last long. For through a conversation, through a serpent, uh, uh, Adam and Eve are deceived at that moment. And all of a sudden, this great connection that they had goes away. And what's interesting about that deceit that happens with them is that uh, the serpent, what he ends up talking to them about is not that he offers them the things that normally trip us up. You know, when we think about our personal sins or our struggles, it usually has to do with something lower to the ground. And what I mean by that, it's usually money, sex, greed, uh, you know, uh, wanting more of something, uh, just wanting something, right? Something that's on this earth. But they didn't want that. They had everything that they needed. They lacked nothing. So what he ends up tempting them with is the only thing that they don't have, which is the be God. Which is to be, and what's interesting is that is the same temptation that he himself falls to. So he tempts them with the only temptation that tempted him to be God instead of serving him and trusting him. And so they, they fall temptation to that. They want to be God, not just to be loved by him, not to be the crown of his creation. No, they want to be the creator, they want to have the knowledge, they want to know and be, be God, not just made in his image. And so Adam and Eve sin, 
And what we see is what God promised would happen is that death enters the picture. All of a sudden, Adam and Eve uh, feel shame. And what's interesting is Augustine, St. Augustine, who is just a, a, a really old Bible teacher, a theologian from like the 400 era around that time period, uh, one of our great ancestors of the faith. Uh, so he kind of talks about this. And the reason I bring this up is as Pastor Carlos shared, I, I had to write a, or a, a paper on this. And so I'm going to make you guys learn what I had to learn. Um, so uh, when, when I was reading his, his stuff, it, it shared that uh, this was that moment that we see a separation between the spirit and the body. See, beforehand, there was perfect alignments. Anything the spirit wanted, which would be to be connected to God, to, to follow along with what God had called them to do, that their spirit led their, their physical body. There was no war there. Anything that they wanted to do, uh, they could do. They had authority over their, their body. The spirit, what the spirit wanted, it could do. But once the sin entered the picture, there was a brokenness there. And now what the spirit wanted and what the body wanted would be at odds with one another. We see this again in Matthew 26, verse 41, where Jesus is speaking, and he's trying to encourage his disciples who, uh, it's, at the, it's the, at the end time, uh, he's about to be crucified, it's, it's near the end, and he tells them, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so it shows that this war has been happening for thousands and thousands of years between the spirit and the body. What this looks like today is, I don't know if you have experienced this, but I certainly have, where you just hear like a sermon, you know, Pastor Carlos just bring, or really the Holy Spirit through Pastor Carlos just brings it that day, and you're like, yes, I'm going to change things, I'm going to be disciplined, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to, I'm going to do these things, right? Look, the, the Spirit is willing. And then you get out to the car, and you're like, nah, we'll see. Like, what do we want for lunch, right? And the next day, it's faded. And it's harder, and, and that's, that's that war. Your spirit wants to do these things. It wants to be connected to God. It wants to sacrifice. It wants to be what God has called it to be. But man, there's this war happening inside of you that says, no, no, let's, let's just take the easy road. Let's just sleep in. We'll, we'll catch the Bible later. Maybe we'll listen to it, right? And it just starts to make all these excuses. Uh, maybe that's just me, and I apologize if I'm just preaching to myself, but... That's that war. And we see that taking place right from the very beginning, where death entered the picture. What's amazing is, is God meant for us to live forever. That was the, that was the way it was set up. We see that uh, where it talks about Adam and Eve, and after they sinned, uh, they talk about this tree of life that they were to eat from, and they could live forever in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. What if they were to eat of that, they were going to continue to live. Death was not supposed to be a part of the picture. It was only if they sinned. And then we see that from Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 17, where, where God warns them. He says, but you must not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When you eat of it, you will certainly die. Death was not supposed to be a part of our story. But unfortunately, because of their sin, it enters our story. And... Augustine talks about this idea that something cannot make anything that's not of itself. And what, is, what I mean by that is sinners make more sinners. And so Adam and Eve have kids, and those kids are sinners, some more than others. But uh, that's kind of what ends up happening. And as you read through Genesis, you see that 
things just keep going downhill. Humanity wants to do only what's, what's right in their own eyes, and that just leads to depravity and just ugliness. To the point that uh, not only could they not do enough good to, to make up for their bad, not that that's how sin works, but they didn't even try. There was no motivation for them to want to do what was right in God's eyes. And so what's clear to us at the end of Genesis is the fact that we need help. Humanity needs help. We need a savior. We need Jesus. So that's what Paul is talking about. Romans 14, uh, or Romans 4, or Romans 5, verse 14, we can do this, Greg, says death keeps uh, reigning over us, and it is the consequence of sin being a part of our lives. Carrying on to 15 and 17, it says, but the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Adam sinned. And death entered the picture. It entered our story. Each of us have to be faced with that fact that at some moment in our life, we have an end point. It's not a conversation we like to dwell on. It's not something we usually want to just like bring up on a normal Sunday afternoon. We're like, hey, how do you think you're going to die? That's not a normal, fun conversation. If you do that, maybe stop. Um, but it's a fact. We all are going to die. We inherit that from our parents, Adam and Eve. That's the, what they passed down to us. But God, who was rich in mercy, instead of at that point, could have washed his hands of us. Could have said, you know what? I gave you perfection. I gave you every chance to, do, to make it. To do, I had one rule, right? One thing that you didn't have to do, and you did it. And at that moment, he could have washed his hands from us and said, you know what? I don't, I don't want to get involved. Whatever. That's on you guys. And it was. But instead of doing that, he again gets down into the dirt with us. Just like when he formed us from the, the dust of the ground, he then again gets into our mucky lives and he starts to reshape us and gets back into the, the mess of our sin. And he says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebuild you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redeem you. I'm going to bring you out of this. And that's what he does. And, and 2,000 years ago, uh, there was this uh, moment that happened where uh, there was a young mother, uh, or a young uh, bride-to-be more so, and uh, she is given this ultimate responsibility. Jesus, the, the son, the, the second member of the Holy Trinity, comes down to earth, and he entrusts himself to that young mother and, and that young bride-to-be and the young uh, man who was going to be her husband. He entrusts himself to them, which is crazy to me. This is humanity. We've messed everything up. We've betrayed God so many times, and yet he still trusts himself as a child, as a baby to them. Man. And so he lives a life, a perfect life, not a perfect, like, white picket fence, like, easy life, because, like, from the get-go, there's a death sentence on his head. 
Kings are trying to kill him. He's having to flee the country. You know, he's a refugee. You know, he, he's, he's got to scatter because from the get-go, people are trying to destroy him. And yet he continues to live a perfect, sinless life. And at the age of 30, he starts his ministry. He goes out and he starts to preach the kingdom of God, his kingdom that would be coming. And so he goes out and he starts to share with people and people reject him. They want to kill him. They ridicule him. But no matter how much we want to push away his truth, he continues on. He keeps pushing forward. He keeps pushing to share his truth, his kingdom, and restore the connection that was broken. As mighty as Adam and Eve's sin was, it's nothing compared to what Jesus sacrificed for us. Jesus, in the end, willingly gives up his life. He takes on the beating. He is beat so bad that Isaiah talks about it. He prophesies of it, and he says, this man will be beaten so bad that he hardly will look human. He more so will look like a pile of flesh. And people are mocking him, teasing him, ridiculing him. And those people that were closest to him abandon him. Those people who called him brother, friend, Messiah, scatter. He's left alone to carry this burden. And yet he continues on. From the, from the very beginning of the beating to the very end, he's caring for those people that are doing the worst things to him. He's praying for those people who are beating him. He's, he's, as people cry out for his death, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't don't know what they do. And up to his last breath, at the final time, he he yells out, it is finished. As he gives up his last breath and dies. But what was not finished was his work. Because three days he remained dead. But on that Sunday morning, as the women went to the tomb to go uh, care for his body and do the the ceremonies that they were supposed to do and and kind of make sure the body was all taken care of, they get to the tomb and they freak out because it's empty. He's not there. And so they panic and they, they scatter. They look all around. They're asking the guards. They're asking all these people. And they're like, where is Jesus? Who took his body? Why would someone do this? And think about how of a bad moment that would have been. I mean, this is the guy that we thought was going to be the Messiah. We thought he, he, he just got the worst death that could possibly given to him. And now his body doesn't even get to rest. At that moment, they were freaking out. What happened? And yet in their moment of panic and freaking out, then all of a sudden, there's Jesus. What a moment. And he talks to them. He says, don't hold on to me. Tell my brothers to come meet me. And hundreds of people get to see him. People get to walk alongside of him. People get to hear his stories, to talk with him. He explains scripture to them. He, he, and they eat with him. And they, they do all this stuff together. Hundreds of people interact with him. And it's not just 12 people. It's not just his friends. It's not like they just came up. Hundreds of people interacted with Jesus. And they believe to their core that they, they, they interacted with Jesus to the point of being willing to die themselves on that belief. And Jesus ascends to heaven after about 40 days, where he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. But he didn't leave us just abandoned to carry on. Instead, he sent down the Holy Spirit to us on the day of Pentecost to be able to be emboldened and empowered by him to do the things that he's called us to do. 
to live the way he's called us to live. That's the message of our faith. That's our story. Romans 5.17 says, For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? How mighty the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. We continue on with verses 18 and 19. This is consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in the justification and life for all people. For just as though the disobedience of one man they were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man the many were made righteous. Through Adam and Eve, death enters our picture, it enters our story. But how amazing is that? So death enters the picture, right? The sin enters our life. Now that's going to be a part of all of our stories, unless he comes back sooner than that. And, and so we're all going to die. That's the consequence of that sin. That's why it exists, sin. And so what God does, instead of just washing it away, instead of just doing something else, he uses the very thing, the very consequence of our sin to be what's going to redeem us. Sin equals death. And then God makes the whole different thing different. He says death equals justification. He changes the story. He says the very thing that you guys did to mess things up, I'm going to use to restore you. And I want to tell you guys that he doesn't just do that with this one thing. He does this in our life over and over again. That thing that brings you the most shame, that thing that you just, you don't even want people to know about, you're afraid to talk about, you don't even want to talk to God about that thing that's in your life. And you're like, no, I, I think I just got this. I want to just kind of keep this to myself. If you were to hand that over to God, what redemption he can bring to your life. That's what he does. He brings glory out of the mess. He is glorified in our weakest moments. And so those things that we used to think define us no longer do. As Christians, we are not defined by the sins that we commit or have been committed to us. We are defined only by the grace of God. Yeah. The trick is, do we live into that? Are we willing to continue to live into that? Because here's what it takes, guys. It takes handing it over. It takes saying, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I need, to, I need to give this to you. My mess, my screw-ups, those hurts that have been done to me, I've been sinned against, and I need to, to ask you for forgiveness and receive forgiveness in that way as well. So it takes confession to God. But then it takes confession to the elders of this church. Because, yeah, God forgives you, but so many of us, we got battle wounds. We got scars. We got open wounds, in fact. And we need to ask the elders and the leaders of this church to pray over us and to say, I need your healing, God. Yes, some of us physically, but so many more of us spiritually and mentally, we need God's healing. To say, God, I have anxiety. I have fear. I have panic. I have these habits a part of my life that I need to, to stop acting like those are my coping mechanisms, and I need to hand those over to you. And so that only happens when I share that with the elders of this church who are trustworthy and will care for you. That's their, that's their duty. When they volunteer to be a leader here as an elder, that is their charge. And so we do that. 
We pray to God and we get forgiveness and he starts to restore us. The Holy Spirit starts to work in us. I mean, he's already going to be working in you, but it's just more so we're waking up to it. And then we, we open ourselves to the elders and then we open ourselves to the community. This place, Imago Church, is a safe place where you can be yourself, where you can find connection, where you find people who actually love you and want to see you grow closer to God. That's what you have found here. I love Imago Church. I have a great passion for Imago Church. Because uh, I, I, anytime I get to come and Carlos is like, hey, I need you, I'm like, sign me up. I'm there. Unless I'm like doing something incredibly, uh, you know, uh, preaching at the sunrise more so than I'm here. I, I just, there's such a great community here. I have great friends here, uh, very close friends here who I love very much. And so open yourself up to this community. And because when you do that, then you find strength. When you start to share, I struggle with this, and you're going to find a brother or sister who say, yeah, I struggle with this thing over here that's different. But between the two of us, we can help each other. We can help each other to grow and be closer to God because of that. That's the beautiful thing about what God does. He works within his body of believers. God's grace is so much greater than our sin. There's nothing we can do that is greater than the gift of grace that he's given us. Nothing. Verse 21 says, So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what can be more real to you than death itself? God's grace. His love. Just think about that. More real then death itself, we can be assured God loves you. I want to kind of talk to two different groups here. If you're someone who is on the fence, maybe you're not even sure why you're here today. You're not sure about this whole story I just shared. I want you to, through this next song, as we uh, get ready to close today, to consider that story. Whether you're in this church or you're online, I want to welcome you guys to think about that story I've shared. That's the Christian belief. That's why we're all here. That's why we went through the fog and tried to get here. It was not try to, to just get together so we can have some donuts, even though I saw that they're back there. And I think I will partake at the end. Um, it's not just for that. We, we come together because we have this core belief that we were sinners there was something wrong, and Jesus came down to provide a path for us to reconnect. And we can, we can trade our mess-ups and screw-ups over to him, to hand those things over to him. And he brings his righteousness and gifts that to us. And so we live differently because of that. So I want to invite you through this next song, if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, to do that. To pray and say, God, I need you to be a part of my life. Forgive me for my sins and help me live a new life. And we have people here who'd be willing to pray with you. If you're not even sure how to pray, oh, Pastor Carlos is back there, and we got the Joneses here, and I'm sure there's other people who uh, would be more than willing to pray with you. In fact, you probably could just turn around and <laughs> pray with you. But pray with someone if you feel stuck and not sure how to do that. And if you're someone who's already done that step, you've already walked that line, you accepted and know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to think about how you could live differently with the reality that you could be more sure of God's grace and love than death itself. How are you living into that? 
How are you allowing that to grow you, to change you, to mold you differently? Maybe there's things that are in your life that you need to stop doing. Maybe there's things that you need to start doing. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's going to lay on your heart through this next song, and as we finish up today, to do that, to, to be obedient. What's amazing is I talked about this idea that there was this brokenness between the spirit and the body, right? That even though our spirits want to get closer to God, that there's this conflict that happens even today. But what's amazing is that the Holy Spirit comes into our life and he is the one who empowers the change. He is the one who is doing the work. And so all we have to do is submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and say, I'm willing to do whatever you do. Just empower me and help me to actually do those things. It's by your power alone, Jesus, that I can change. And man, when we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, he will do a good work in your life. And so I invite you, believers, Christians, to submit yourself to the Holy Spirit, to follow whatever that next faithful step that he has in your life. Maybe that's to be more plugged in here at Imago. Maybe that's to step up and do a certain ministry here at Imago. Maybe it's you see a need and you're like, ah, someone should take care of that. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit are like, yeah, I, I let you see that, buddy. That's yours. There's a reason that he pointed it out to you. So whatever it is that you can take that that next faithful step to be emboldened by the Holy Spirit, to submit yourself to him and do that thing. Those are my two challenges for you guys. So let's pray and I'll let, I'll just get out of God's way. God, I thank you so much that you don't leave us in our mess. That you leave us in the pit of our sin and despair. But Holy Spirit, you did something amazing. Jesus, you came down from heaven and you, you provided the path so that we can be reconnected and restored to you. Not just so that we can be your workers, but you call us your sons and daughters. You've adopted us into your family. We no longer are, are defined by the heritage of Adam and Eve. No, we've been given a new story, a new heritage of righteousness and grace. Thanks to you, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us to receive that today. Help restore it and renew it in our minds and hearts. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do a good work in our lives. For anyone who's online or in here in this building, God, that they, we could connect to you. God, I thank you that there is no separation. There is nothing that divides us from you, but Jesus, you provided the path for us. So help us walk through that door that you blasted wide open through your death and sacrifice. Help us to be willing to take that next faithful step in our lives to whatever you're calling us to do. And we look forward to the testimonies of your good work in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. was preached this morning and we're going to just bring it before the Lord where you need to take that next step with the Spirit of God where you need that reminder that God's grace is even more real than our fear than our sin, than our brokenness than our anxiety than even death itself the grace of God prevails the grace of God will have the final word on your life. And 
today we're going to have an opportunity to just lean into that and to surrender that, whether you're online, pray with the person that's next to you right now, or whether you're here in the church building. We're going to have a couple of prayer stations available for that. I'm going to invite uh, um, Charlotte um, to be here on this side, uh, along with uh, Sister Mandy, if, uh, if she can uh, join her for that with Charlotte, just to be available to pray, and the Joneses too, to be available to pray, and I'll be over here. And as you're ready, you can pray right where you are with who's around you, but we'll be interceding. Step and have someone lay a hand over you to pray. We are here for you. We are with you. As our brother Greg mentioned, we are the body of Christ. And we hold one another and we walk together in all of these seasons. So in this moment, just as we're preparing to close out with this last song, we're going to invite you to come forward, receive prayer, receive that touch, and even uh, Brother Greg will be here too if you want to pray with him. But both Mandy and Charlotte are available here on the side. I'll be here on this side. Uh, Greg as well, the Joneses, or just with the people around you. Take a moment to pray and come before him. Give it to the Lord. So let's prepare our hearts to enter into this time of prayer. Come forward and receive that word of prayer. Receive a hand to, to, to be laid over you and give it to God this afternoon. Let's pray. Out the wonder of as you speak. Speak in vain, no syllable empty or 
nature and signs follow the sound of your in my heart through all of my failure and pride. I feel you created the light of the world abandoned in darkness to
precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love him, so will I. Like you would get a hundred billion times. We're just concluding our time of prayer. You can pray just right where you are as well, right with the Lord. Say, God, I surrender. I surrender to you in this moment, Lord, whatever I'm holding on to. I surrender to you, Lord God, that thing that I'm looking to instead of you. I surrender, Lord, whatever is holding me back from going that next level with you, Jesus. And Lord, right now, we pray, we confess, we repent, Lord God, where we have made secondary things into first things and we put you, God, second in our lives. And right now, individually, but as a church, God, we're turning around. We're repenting of that, Lord God. And we pray, Jesus, that you would be the one to make the way, to clear the path, to provide breakthrough where it's needed, God. You know exactly where we need it, God, and we're calling out for it right now. Holy Spirit, rain down on this place. Espíritu Santo, descienda aquí en este lugar. Restore what needs to be restored. Renew what needs to be renewed. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. And Lord God, we trust you and we believe, God. Help us in our unbelief. In our times of doubt, God, would we be able to draw near to you rather than run away from you? Lord, would you use the challenge, the pain that we're going through, Lord, to grow our faith because as we draw nearer to you as you call us to the next season the next level it's always going to call for more faith never less faith God so give us faith to trust you give us the grace to fix our eyes on you rather than just trying to fix ourselves or fix other people or circumstances Lord we're powerless over that 
So right now we cry out and we pray to you, Jesus, the one who has power over it all. Thank you, Lord, that you alone are the one who will bring it all together and do something new, something beautiful, and use us, use this season for your purposes. Thank you, Lord. It's in the faithful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 We thank God for just the joy of being real before God and being real before each other and just taking that time to pray and give it all to him. And just a couple of reminders as we close out here today, we're going to have some time of fellowship immediately after service. If you're new, we'd love to get to know you. Fill out a, a welcome card. We want to know how we can pray for you, how we can serve you in this season. And please stick around and say hi to someone you didn't come with. This coming week, we will be having men's and women's Bible studies, and it will be the final one. So for the season before the break for the holidays on Wednesday, we will have fellowship at John Jones's home for a men's Bible study. And on Thursday, I believe that it will be fellowship at Marie Callender's on Mooney for the women's Bible study as well. So mark your calendar and be there for that. And I'm going to pass it on to our brother Greg here to be able to close us out with a word of blessing upon our congregation today. And I always love to hear messages from seminary students because they're so fresh and they're reminding us of what they're learning. He really just shared it for us of life through Christ, but I think the term is substitutionary atonement, right? In the, but, but it's so wonderful to be able to just uh, hear the gifts that, that God has amongst his people and amongst the leaders he's raising up. So Greg, would you bless us as we close out our time in worship this morning? I want to give uh, a blessing from actually the uh, beginning parts of Romans 5. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have been, we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So go and live out 